Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Hat the Hash Rugby Chat here on New Zealand Sports Radio. Hi, I'm Paul, and I'll be your host. And joining me this evening is Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Oh, very good, thank you, Paul. Privilege and a pleasure to be on board. Oh, just, just sorry, folks. I'm struggling to get my beer open because the ring pull bit has pulled off. I'm having a disaster here at the beginning of the show. But hey, we'll soldier on through. Um, despite that, anyway, on the show this evening, uh, some really big topics to discuss. So, first up, we have the obviously the, the the vote for the chairman of the of world rugby or um bill beaumont beating augustine pichot so we'll look into that um and we'll break down how and why uh, it all happened then new zealand rugby have come out and mentioned their um oh, what do you call it their finances so we'll have a look at that because there are some really eye-opening figures in there um, we'll also talk about Super Rugby because we've got a number of reviews going on uh, and we've got Sanzar saying nothing's going to change, folks. It's all smoke and mirrors. So we'll discuss that piece. Um, and then if we have time, we'll also have a look at the return to play post protocols um, as we drop down through the levels, the COVID levels. Good evening, Simon, in the live chat there. As always, folks, um, you, the best place to watch New Zealand Sport Radio is on our Facebook page, but you can also find us on YouTube and on Twitter or Periscope um, as well under the Driving Mall channels. Uh, and this show will be put out as a recording on uh, our podcast. Just search for New Zealand Sport Radio on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Acast, your favourite podcatchers. We are there. So uh, lots of ways you can consume this. You can either watch it live or you can obviously, as I say, watch it as you drive around and um, all that kind of stuff. So, Stephen, surprised by the uh, the the results in the end of the of, of the championship vote? No, I think I sent you a message on, uh, when was it, probably a day before the announcement when everything had been pretty much pulled forward. And uh, I thought then that the incumbent would probably... Uh, would probably come through and you know there were just a few whispers around that he would um 
hold on to hold on to his position. And uh, no, we shouldn't be surprised, really. Um, yeah, I, one of the things that I did do is I did a couple of videos for uh, supporters of Driving Mall. Uh, you can uh, on uh, drivingmall.com, uh, and you can become a supporter. You can head over there and uh, to the website, and you can sign up. It's only a dollar a month, or, or as much as you feel like paying. Um, where I looked at the breakdown of the different votes, and it came down to well, understand or, or, or guessing where it's, it's obviously a private vote. Now, a number of them. Uh, countries have come out and said who they voted for, um, and the other ones have been deduced um, to come up with the number. But I thought it was going to be a lot closer than it was. I thought it was going to come down to one or two votes. The fact that it was a four-vote margin in the end was, uh, to me, the margin was surprising rather than necessarily the uh, the actual result itself. Yeah, we, we thought it was going to be a close contest. We obviously looked at... Uh, the numbers a couple of weeks back and it looked really really close that it could gone either way and uh looking jumping on a lot of the social network over the uh, over the weekend once the decision was made a lot seems to have been pointed at the, the pacific islands fiji and and obviously samoa but you know there were other, other areas of the world that were a little bit of a surprise at the end of the day the african nations who i understand are in the same building as, as south africa paul and, and, of course, Canada as well. And uh, the oddity of uh, Japan as well, that you know that was one that could have probably gone either way. You'd think they were a bit of an ally, but then you also think about what happened in and around uh, Super Rugby when South Africa didn't support uh, Japan as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of politics going on, and even late in the piece, things were happening. Yeah, they were. Um, so let's bring up uh, this, this, this graphic. Oh. Wow, he's here. He's made it at last. The silver fox himself. John, how are you doing, O'Connor? I like to call it Ash Blonde. Ash Blonde. Oh, sorry, sorry. So get your... Uh, <laughs> fox, as foxy as ever, but Ash Blonde. <laughs> um, hello, boys. Hello. And uh, yes, sorry, Christopher, for calling you Christian in the chat, live chat. Yes, I'm trying to handle multiple things at the same time. The important thing... Um, sorry about getting your name wrong. That's obviously important. But even more important is the fact I've managed to get the bottle top off my beer at last. So uh, yeah, all is well. There. It's going to be okay. The world is yeah. The world is now a better place <laughs> because uh, Paul can pour uh, his Max Gold. Uh, uh, other beers are available. Max have not sponsored the show yet. yet. So I just want to know: Are we even talking to people from the UK, Stephen? Regular Stephen, normal Stephen, as opposed to good-looking Steve? I'm 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 not a hundred percent sure, but we've already got a, a few people on the line at the moment. It's Charlene joining us, uh, Christopher Edwards Bailey's joining us this evening. So fantastic, fantastic to see. I've got to ask you about that here, though, John. It's got the looks like it's developed a mind of its own. Um, it's it's a it's a COVID nineteen hairstyle. That's all I'm saying. I just well, want to well, know after 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 the. Uh, the Six Nations pulled their normal story when it came to a vote, whether we even are talking to Steve. Talking to Paul, you mean? Um, I mean, Paul. No, we always talk to Steve. He needs somebody <laughs> to talk to him. He's a blue supporter, so he needs all the help he can get. Uh, so, okay, let's let's bring up the actual map itself uh, and, and, and let's talk through how the votes um, panned out. Um. The uh, thank you very much to um, 
Uh, I've gone blank. Um, you can see it in the bottom right-hand corner, but at Rugby Blogger um, for permission to use his graphic here that I brought up on screen. Um, in the live chat, if it's too small, then let us know. I can, I'll put it full screen. I'll take our lovely pretty faces off. Mm. Um, but um, if uh, otherwise, we'll um, we'll discuss it through. Mm. And we'll talk this through. So start off then. Um, we'll go left to right on the map. Mm. Canada, red. Uh, we, sorry, Bill Berman's red and um, Augustin Pichot is blue on the map. So Canada uh, went with um, Bill Beaumont, but the USA went with Augustin Pichot. Um, and then they split the North America regional votes, um, one each. Um, I was a bit surprised by the Canadian one, but uh, Canada, um, I mean, Stephen, you were talking about the fact that Canada's been going backwards uh, in, in the last sort of decade, really, now. Mm. Um, and that uh, their, their administration, let's be honest, is an absolute mess uh, mm. up there. So not perhaps not so much of a surprise that they've gone with the incumbents. They talked about stability. Uh, in mm. this time of uh, turbulence, being the reason why they went with with with, with Beaumont, um, I thought that perhaps them getting included in the American Super Championship might have had something. But uh, what are your thoughts there, Stephen? Yeah, I, I have to agree. I was just actually going to go down that particular path. Obviously, they didn't have a lot of international rugby. We're talking about the the Canucks, Canada, and um, you know they were thrown a lifeline by Argentina with that uh, Central American competition. So I don't think Argentina would be overly impressed about that. So uh, mm. once once again, we don't we don't really know. But I know Argentina would be disappointed more than anybody else the fact that they probably didn't support the vote at the end of the day. Look, there are there, just looking at that breakdown there. Um, some things uh, the key. The key points here is um, we knew that, well, we expected England, France, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, and Italy to vote with Beaumont to maintain whatever they are currently getting uh, at the expense of others. That's what they're going to, you know, the turkeys don't vote for Christmas. So uh, it, the real surprises are the Fiji Samoa. Well, actually, and, uh, John, 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 you're rushing, rushing it. Yeah. Let, let, let's deal with the Americas first. We'll make we'll make our way across the map. But the... I'll make it across the map. So the Canadian one um, is is one that I I don't suppose anybody really knew what they would do because I don't think people who are involved on the ground in Canadian rugby know what their administration is going to do. So who knows what the rest of the world has got no clue what Canada's administration is going to do. We could have Mikey on here talking about his frustrations for, I don't know, an hour at least with Canadian regular. Yeah, you're, you're right. I, I I got in a bit of a Twitter discussion with somebody from Canada uh, and someone from, from Argentina because um, the, the the South American um, president of, 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 of the South American area uh, um, has been, came out rather scathing against Canada. And one of the points that he made was, look, yes, uh, um, Canada's been invited into this competition, but it's against the Argentinian B team. I mean, the Argentine don't even put their first team into it. So he says, look, it's um, they're not even putting in, they're not even giving us tier one games. They're giving us um, lower games than that. At least we get to play the Six Nations occasionally, or we'll get one of the Six Nations each summer. Um, well, that's what's happening. Originally, um, for a game in Promises June. have been made. Yeah. Promises have been made, yeah, that's for sure. Well, no, but they actually have games against... Uh, again, well, they have been having games against Italy and Scotland during the June window for the past um, sort of eight or so years. 
the last time Canada played a um, a tier one nation outside Rugby World Cup, poof, um, not within living memory. You don't count. You don't count Scott. You don't. Oh, you mean Southern Hemisphere? I thought you were saying you don't count Scotland as a tier one nation anymore. No, no, no. Sorry, the, 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 the six nations, the six nations have, or six, some of the six nations tier one teams have played them. The mm. the the rugby championship have they've not had they've not had a full test match against the rugby championship side within living memory, um, and I think that's part of what has 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 perhaps also caused their vote. Mm. As we know, the All Blacks have played the USA. The Maori All Blacks have played the USA. Uh, the Wallabies have played the USA all within the last decade. So, uh, and and in the USA, generally in in, in um, oh, I've gone blank into the yeah. sea, Chicago. And remember, um, South Africa played uh, also played the USA and uh, Alistair could see. So that is what three four years ago they yeah. played them in Washington, with the, albeit with a with a B squad, because um, they had a test match on the other side of the world a week later. Uh, but they did play an official test against them. No, are you talking about the Wales game? They played because they played Wales in Washington DC. That's that's right. You're 100 percent correct. It wasn't. Uh, you're 100 percent correct. It wasn't the states. It was Wales. But at least they played it in in the states. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so they played. So 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 there's been connections between the USA and the, the rugby championship teams, but not Canada. Moved down south. Unsurprisingly, Argentina, Uruguay, and the two South American votes all went with the Gosin Pichot. Um, I mean, I'm not sure there's much to discuss there. I think that, that's just obvious that's going to happen. The only discussion point um, that might be had uh, here, um, actually probably should wait to get to Australia, but is that to get the um, Australia on board, um, Argentina had given up their attempt at the 2027 Rugby World Cup. Or their bid for that, and they're throwing a lot behind the Australian one. Okay, hang on, just rewind for a second here. Um, can I just ask on this? Uh, and thank you so much to the the person who did this graphic here. But just so that I understand it, under Bill Beaumont, it says North and Central America, one of two, but then it also lists Canada, Fiji, Samoa, and Canada. Was there another vote in North and Central America besides okay, so the USA and Canada? Yes, if you look at the if you look at the graphic, uh, obviously yeah. the, the countries are coloured, but you see there's there's also six circles around there. That's because the okay. North Central America, South America, yeah. Europe, Africa's, okay. Asia, and Oceania okay. um, organisations okay. all get two votes each. Okay, so so there's a vote a vote from Canada, plus there was one of the two votes from the North and Central America region. Yep. So that would be like Mexico, Honduras. Uh, Nicaragua, Venezuela, the Caribbean, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, plus also America, the USA and Canada would have a say in that as well. Okay. All right. All right. So, okay. So just, I just was uh, making sure I understand it. So they split the North and Central Central America vote, which I suppose is, we, I mean, without knowing the intricacies, that makes sense. And then now, now you're getting really interesting. So, um, Argentina have thrown their lot in behind the 2027 Australia bid for the World Cup. Correct. Yep. Well, um, then yep. I see I see trouble coming. Uh, by the way, as a, as a side branch, because remember South Africa got shafted for the 2022 one, right? So 
you would think that they have a huge expectation that they will be awarded the twin the the next one. Oh, sorry, the twenty twenty three one. You would think that they expect to get the twenty twenty seven one after being so badly diddled. So if if Australia is going after that as well, then we could see all sorts of fun and games in the Sanzo organization. Actually, that I think um, John makes a really good point, Paul, because with Always. just suspect there's there's a lot of um, yeah, good on you. Don't, there's a lot of politics, don't sound so surprised, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I was going to try and get a. You can never get a word in with this guy, uh, uh, Paul. You should have just okay, cut so him off before you got. I guess what what what, what um, the can I, if I, the, the, can the, I just the, finish the, my point? There the were three announced winners for the 2027 Rugby World Cup. Just to close off on this one, uh, they were Argentina, Australia, and Russia. South Africa were not an announced bidder for 2027 currently. That doesn't sure. So those are, the, those are the three announced bidders at this time. Um, now, sure. it's not to a vote yet, and they may be um, – I'm not sure when the, when the deadlines are, um, but I think it is – so currently it looks like South Africa um, – so the USA and South Africa are both speculating that they'll announce their, their interest in the event, but they haven't announced anything yet officially. Sure. Sorry, go was, on, Stephen. I was about to say, guys, when the 2027 Cup rolls round or we find out who is hosting that particular World Cup, it'll be great to keep this graph because I think it'll be a, a little bit of an insight into basically where that whoever the host is of that tournament is. I think it, there'll be a little bit of bit of a pattern involved, mm. don't you think? Mm. Mm. On that note, mm. moving across to Africa, um, Steve and I were, 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 were very surprised by the um, the the the, um, the the fact that Africa voted for Bill Belmont, whereas South Africa voted for um, uh, for Augustine Pichot. Now. Um, what someone has said, and I'm just going to break, I've just quickly Googled this, which I should, should have done um, beforehand, was that pointed out was that they thought that um, basically Africa had voted for France, not for South Africa, um, for the Rugby World Cup 2023. So there's a history of Africa not voting in the same way that mm. South Africa does. Um, mm. So that's that was interesting um, about that. So the um which so as i say I, I it surprised me that they went different ways but apparently i say the the africa did have done that before that voted differently to South africa which is a bit of a surprise if i can comment on that steve i don't know if you've got something you'd like to add no 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 you go for oh sorry john no worries um so historically between south africa and africa and this is post-apartheid, I'm not talking in the apartheid times, but post-apartheid, there has been on both sides a little bit of a divide insofar as uh, some South Africans, and I'm talking about black South Africans, uh, almost see themselves as not part of Africa. And uh, parts of Africa think that South Africans don't see themselves as part of Africa. And so there's a there's a little bit of an attitude towards South Africa and a little bit of attitude from South Africa towards Africa. This kind of stigma on both sides. Um, and and just as an aside, a funny story. Uh, probably 15, say the early 2000s or around 2000, 
I heard the story of a, of a delegation of diplomats from South Africa landing in Tanzania at the airport, and uh, they had to walk to the terminus. There was a problem with the bus. They're walking from the plane, and this is a delegation, and somebody from the press was walking with them and overheard these diplomats, black South African diplomats, walking in the heat of Tanzania and Central Africa um, towards the terminus, and the one guy turns to the other and said, yo, we're in Africa now, eh? Hey? Um, so, and they just flown from Johannesburg. So uh, there is a little bit of a of a uh, tension sometimes between Africa and South Africa when it comes to attitudes. However, I really hoped that my hope for the the win of South Africa at the World Cup when Sia Kolisi lifted that World Cup trophy, I my hope was that it would light a fire when it comes to rugby throughout Africa, to see such a exemplary black leader lift that trophy, I thought that it would break down a lot of that, at least in the rugby circles, that sort of attitude. And I, I had huge hope that it would just you know, spread rugby throughout the Africa region. So to see this voting continue along this way is very disappointing. And I also wonder... You know, look for some interesting things to happen in the next, I don't know, the next few years. Look at funding towards the Africa rugby regions to be increased or something. Something's been, there's been some horse trading happening here somehow. Well, I think it needs to be a bit, um, uh, 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 well, we'll, 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 we'll see about that. But the... Um, Rugby, so, uh, Simon makes a good point that Rugby Africa has strong ties with um, France and the administrators all being based in North North Africa. And yeah, remember, France did have a strong colonial presence in Africa. They have maintained yep. ties with those colonial countries post, post, post them being colonial countries as well. Um, so it's, um, yeah, and you've got to say, that, so, so, so yeah, so you can understand that part of it. Um, so yes, yeah, so Simon, yes, yeah, so, so points out that yeah, that, that there is the, those ties are there, and if we look back at that 2023 vote um, for France, they got Scotland, they got Italy, they also got Japan, Asia, South America, Europe, Africa, Georgia, Romania. They all voted for for France at uh, for, for that Rugby World Cup. So a lot of the tier two crowd um, and, and a lot of the uh, regional associations voted for France there. Um, so so. Uh, even though Af even though Africa has stayed kind of with the Six Nations, Europe, South America, Asia, they've all moved over mm -hmm. to actually, no, Europe. Sorry, Europe stayed, but um, South Africa and Asia have moved, and it, it, that was so. It's not it's not it's not, it's not a, a perfect correlation mm. between World Cup voting and this voting. Well, just a quick question: You've got a country like Tunisia, which is uh, French speaking, and there was uh, another mm. country up that way. I know um, Abdel Benazir, the former Frenchman, was from that particular area do do they get a vote as well and if they do get get to vote wouldn't wouldn't they align themselves with france as well yeah exactly i mean that, that, that they'll be part of that um I, I don't know exactly which countries have got associations within africa that are mm. part of the africa group but yeah people like tunisia etc will be part of that mm. um looking to europe then obviously the six nations all voted for bill beaumont we, we knew that was going to happen um, and Europe did too. The only controversy coming out of that is that Germany complained after the vote that they hadn't been given a proper say in, and that the the countries hadn't been um, 
were uh, consulted properly around how those two European votes would go. Um, so interesting that now that seems to have gone very quiet very quickly and not be, there doesn't be much follow up on that one. Um, but that did come out, um, which was interesting. Um, sure. The um, so, Jap so Japan, oh, so the Europe single vote. So it was a single vote for from Europe. Well, look, yeah, because look, the, 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 there is a there's an association that covers all of Europe, just like there's one okay. that covers all of South America. Um, okay, I'm with you. Um, and those two votes went to Bill Beaumont, as you can tell by the red circle. Um, but yes, Germany, okay. they didn't get a say in that because you, obviously you've got teams like Germany, Spain, Portugal, yeah. um, Russia. They all mm. have um, rugby teams, uh, but mm. they don't. Uh, Belgium, etc. They're, they're all part of world rugby. Uh, yeah. but they aren't strong, they aren't big enough to have a, a solid vote themselves, but they get a say through their regional association. Mm. Spain, by the way, just has been doing really well on the seventh circuit, and yeah. Ger Germany dominates the tier two seventh circuit, and they've put a huge amount of effort to raise their game and been desperately close to qualifying for the main tour the main sevens uh, tour, yearly tour, um, at least twice now. So these are two countries that are obviously doing something right. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. They're going in the right, right direction. Um, uh, even if they do, even if Spain lost their opportunity to get to the World Cup in Japan because they filled an ineligible player, but never mind about that. Um, same happened to Romania. Um, mm. Romania and Georgia, they both voted for Augustin Pichot. Obviously, both of those two countries looking at trying to get tier one status and access to tier one competitions, which is one of the things that he promised. So unsurprising mm. that they've gone down that route. You've got to mm. say USA like that, but Canada wouldn't be, for example, and say, no, that is not good enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Moving over to Asia, the Asia vote. Again, most of the countries, um, Rich Freeman posted a list as to how the, how the vote went, but the vast majority all went for Augustine Pichot, two people, two countries voted for Bill Beaumont um, out of that collective block, and hence that's why both votes went to Augustine Pichot. Probably the most um, transparent out of any of the groups as to how and why their votes happened, mm -hmm. um, which was which, which, which is very good for, for from Asia uh, for, for being like that. Mm. Japan now, Japan, and I think we'll probably include uh, Fiji and Samoa in here. Going for Beaumont, not going for Augustine Pichot. Um, now, John, you you were you were talking about that, saying you're kind of surprised by that. Yeah, because let's be honest, right? That the Northern Hemisphere has not looked after the islands. I'm not saying that uh, the two, two countries closest to them, that's New Zealand, which is where I live, and Australia have not taken advantage of them in gleefully helping themselves to players uh, that were good enough to play for the Wallabies or the All Blacks and uh, not really having many qualms about ever trying to play a test match in the islands. So from that perspective, I'm not saying Australia and New Zealand have covered themselves with, uh, with, with good intentions, at least towards the islands, but they have done some things to help the islands, at least take super rugby games there, uh, for instance. But so far, I mean, so far as the Northern Hemisphere and the Six Nations is concerned, you know, they, they've had very, very little interest 
in and in the well-being of rugby in the islands. And for Fiji and Samoa to vote for Bill Beaumont, very surprising. Um, I'll disagree on this one. I, I, um, Christopher puts a good point in there that Northern Hemisphere have played 20, te 20 tests in the Pacific Islands since professionalism. Um, so, and they also give uh, they also play tier one tier one games against Fiji, Samoa, and Tonga in the November window. Now, I know that's in the um, that that those, those are away games and they don't get funding, but they do get games. Whereas on a regular basis, whereas um, there was a good article put together um, by Jim Kays on the um, newsroom, um, where he points um, out that uh, the um, so the Wallabies uh, have um, played Samoa and Tonga five times and four times um, in Australia, but never in the islands. Um, they've mm -hmm. played three times in Fiji, but not since 1984. Mm -hmm. um, South Africa have yet to play in Samoa, Tonga, or Fiji, mm -hmm. um, and uh, for um, and um, they've hosted Tonga in Cape Town, but that was back in '97. Um, they played. Fiji back in 98, uh, sorry, 96 in, um, in South Africa, and they played Samoa five times in South Africa, mm -hmm. which, again, is better than, than the All Blacks. The All Blacks, again, um, the first time they ever played in, in, in Samoa was back in 2015 um, as a, as a warm-up test, and they charged a million dollars for that. Um, mm. They've never played in Tonga. They haven't played in Fiji since 1984. Mm. Um, the... Um, and then also um, the only games they've had in New Zealand have been warm-ups for, it's like, oh, quick, we need someone to warm up to play the Lions. Oh, quick, we need mm. someone to warm up to play for, before the Rugby World Cup. Um, mm. That's the only time. So Tonga got that game uh, last year. Um, mm. I think it was Samoa got the game uh, before the Lions and Fiji got the game before the 2015 Rugby World Cup. Mm. But again, it's... It's 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 once every two mm. four years that they actually get a game, whereas mm. every year they get a game in Europe, not funding. Mm. But then again, they don't get funding when don't get a share share of the of the pot when they come to New Zealand either. Mm. And they do get visited by Scotland, by Italy occasionally in the islands. And there's talk of, especially during Lions years, of mm. maybe England or one of the other a bigger or or or, 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 mm. or, um, or Wales or Ireland going. Um, as well, so uh, yeah, because in Wales played, um, oh, they they played, uh, or they played. They were supposed to play Tonga in Tonga, but because the build, because mm. the ground hadn't been built, they built. They played that double header at Eden Park, didn't they? That's um, right. Yeah. Before the before the Lions. Um, yes. So the um, uh, and yeah, and and something you get. You're quite right. John Campbell made a was was a big part of make, putting pressure on the All Blacks to play in Samoa. Um, mm. So you can see, look. Uh, yeah, sure. The the Northern Hemisphere teams, the the, the Six Nations, aren't um, giving them a tier one competition, but they're the other side of the world. Um, mm. Are they visiting every year with 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 top sides? Not every year, um, but they mm. do visit sometimes. Um, so I think, but but hang on, gone with with with, with Pichot. No, but hang on here. But yes, they give them games, right? Um, uh, but quite often they give them games in the same way that New Zealand does, which is as a warm-up to something major coming up against one of the Southern Hemisphere teams. Um, certainly, certainly 
without doubt, New Zealand and Australia and South Africa can have done way better to visit there and play there and help them generate funds. And the fact that New Zealand charged a million dollars, just it's obscene, right? When you consider the the incredible input going way back, you know, Brian Williams and before that, players that have come, that have originated, if not born in, in Samoa or uh, had come from Samoan family, if they might have been born in New Zealand. But there are other issues here besides just games. For instance, uh, it was the decision to ensure that a player who might qualify for the islands and had played for another country could never play again for the islands um, was a loophole that was gleefully closed 20, 20s odd years ago, 25 years ago. Um, and by doing that, the, the islands had been hugely disadvantaged without having a stand-down period where somebody could come back. Remember, these were days when uh, Steve, Steve, you can help me out here. It was Stephen Bashup that played both for the All Blacks and Samoa. Well, I'm, I'm letting you go because I'm I'm going to come off the long run very very shortly. I'm I'm a bit fired up about this. Um, this, okay. is, this is not this is not all one way traffic. Let me give you the tip. But you you carry on with your your point, John. Okay. Um, and what was the other one um, that stands out? Frank Bunce. I think also played for Samoa as well as the All Blacks, uh, and these are players that have added huge value to both All Black rugby and Samoan rugby, right? Or Island rugby, wherever it may be. And let's just you know, let's just give some credit to these populations because we know that there have been issues with the administration, whether it's been uh, the actual administration itself or political interference by uh, dictators or whatever it may be over the last 20 years in some of these uh, island nations. But there was, a, there was a stage maybe three, four years ago where the, during the Northern Hemisphere November window, where I think it was six non-Fijian nations were playing with Fijian wings. So these are nations that have added hugely to rugby in a number of countries. Off you go, Steve. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> listen, I've, I've sat back and, and, and listened, and listen, my first attack is going to be in and around a lot of our, our journalists. I personally think a lot of New Zealand journalists are lazy, absolutely lazy when it actually comes to doing a little bit, little bit of homework. There are a lot of Pacific Island-born players that are born in New Zealand that have either born in New Zealand or come to New Zealand and they've come through the New Zealand rugby yeah. structure. And there's a lot of those kids that have never made the All Blacks but <clears throat> have ended up playing international rugby, have ended up getting professional contracts overseas, and that's because of the New Zealand structure. Now, I'm a great believer yeah. of, of you don't bite the hand that feeds you. If somebody gives me an opportunity in life, I never forget that. And... I, I just point. think it's a, it's a little it's a little bit rich to come off come off the fence and say New Zealand's done absolutely nothing. Hell's teeth that their structure it's the New Zealand structure that makes you better players. You've got the option whether you want to play the All Blacks or you want to play international footy. As for some of the the, the Northern Hemisphere teams, yeah, it's all very well. They 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 play the the, the odd 
sort of match down in the islands and they, they, they play up in the northern hemisphere. But on the other hand, those Celtic nations are the very nations who basically voted against the Pacific Island teams um, having, say, a one or two test All Black come across and, and basically play for them. We spoke about a Ben Artinga this morning who played one test for the All Black Scott. He would have been ideal for either Samoa and Tonga. So it, this mm. is not just a one-way street. This is this mm. is actually a, a, a two-way street. It's it's about getting opportunities and, mm. and, and taking them. Nobody holds a gun to these kids' heads. And if you're a father in Samoa mm. where there's no rugby structure, you're mm. going to send your son to New Zealand to play. And if the opportunity mm. comes to play for the All Blacks, you're, mm. you're going to take it every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Now, the other thing is, when you talk about administration in the islands, it's a shambles. It's an absolute mm. shambles. It's crooked. It's been like that for a very, very long time. Um, the someone, I mean to say, both both unions are run by their respective presidents, and we know mm. one of them's a bit of a tyrant. The other, mm. the other guy, the Samoan president, uh, a few years ago, New Zealand was the country that supported Samoa when the tsunami was over there. Most of the allocated food money went over there, and a lot of that went, a lot of that disappeared under his regime. This is this is what we're talking about here. That's a very very crooked mm. regime, and one of the reasons why New mm. Zealand hasn't gone up there, they haven't really trusted them. So. It's it's really simple just to come off the fence and basically say mm. New Zealand don't support Pacific Island rugby. In my opinion, that's mm. BS. It's as it's as it's as simple as that. And I'm really disappointed. All they've seen, all the likes of Fiji has seen, is a bag of cash from France. That's all they've seen. Cash, a one-off opportunity. Yeah. And I, I'm I've, I'm pretty convinced there's some backroom deeds, deals mm. going on there. There you go. That's I mean I say those are my thoughts yeah. on the on the chat line. They may not agree with me, but all I'm asking here mm. is basically for balance um, when we're talking about mm. that because a lot of lazy journalists, um, especially here, and mm. some very good journalists who should know better, don't actually don't yeah. actually do their own the homework. Now, as somebody mm -hmm. who's been down at grassroots level as a coach and mm. also a manager, I've seen a lot of Pacific Island players come through the system. Um, you know, the likes mm. of Sanchez Johnson, James Johnson, Joe Takuri, guys who have all ended up playing for Samoa. And that's absolutely fantastic. And those kids made an early decision at an early age. Sometimes you've got to know mm. what your ceiling is. Look, uh, mm. look, a lot of Pacific Island kids want to be All Blacks. But in reality, mm. you've got to ask yourself if there's an opportunity to get an overseas contract mm. and play for, play for Samoa and Tonga. Man, go for it. Mm. And if there's an opportunity to let these mm. kids, even if they've played one or two tests for the All Blacks, play international rugby, it could only be good for the game. The best thing the Celtic nations can do is basically mm. let this happen. But you know why they won't? We, we so, all know why that won't happen. Just, 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 a, just one thing I want to cover off on here, and, and, and we've, we've talked about it, or it's been mentioned a couple of times, is, uh, is, is, is about the cash. Now, I, one of the things that we uh, are not saying here is that there's under the table cash going on, um, that it mm -hmm. is a that it is cash that is allocated by World Rugby and they and it's it's kind of uh, it, it's above to, you, you, you it, it's visible you can see where how the money gets to the islands quite what happens to it once it gets there is a different ball game but um, I don't think we're suggesting that Bill Beaumont or uh, or um, Laporte have been giving sort of underhand cash to these to these locations um 
but they have but the I mean, one of the other things that was has been mentioned is that one of the reasons that um, Fiji and Samoa went for uh, Beaumont is that they saw that Gustin Pichot was looking at expanding rugby, um, mm. which is what which I think a lot of us say is is a noble idea and the right way to go. From a selfish point of view, there, what they're doing, what they're seeing though, is that um, <laughs> I'm not sure we needed to know, Rory, that you were in the shower while you're listening to us. By the way, but anyway, um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the the mind boggles. Um, <laughs> that's just thrown my thought entirely. Um, <laughs> just don't put your pieces. Listen, Rory. Listen, Rory. Then you're going to get. Listen, Don't. You've missed a spot. You miss us. <laughs> yeah, Rory, you need someone to scrap. You need someone to loo for your back for you. Um, the um, so yeah, it's the, the, oh, absolutely. And this is this is one of the problems I have with people saying, "Oh yeah, look, it's obvious everyone should have one vote each." Um, now, my problem with that is is exactly what you've been talking about there, Stephen. Is around do we trust? Do we or do we want people on the board having a vote who are basically not fit and proper um now we, fiji and samoa here are having a vote uh they whereas tonga isn't you kind of like well what's the difference between tonga and fiji and samoa um the difference is is around how um uh how mature their uh, administration is that, that fiji and samoa um actually have their accounts audited they actually um are recognized by the olympic organization they are actually um, recognized by other um, organizations as well. Tonga does not meet those categories. Um, so that's why they don't get, uh, um, that's why they haven't, that's why we don't see Tonga having a vote here, even though they go to the same World Cups, they go to, they, they, they meet all the other eligibility criteria, but they don't meet the fit, fit and proper criteria. The fact that we've now got, we had someone who was going to get onto the executive board who is a known killer. Now, whether you call it manslaughter or murder, that's up to you, but he's definitely a killer. He's been convicted of it. Um, was going to be one of the people voting and having a voice in how rugby is run. Mm. Yeah, um, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, so I think we do need to be a bit careful as to the when Augustin Pichot goes and says, "Yeah, let, let's give them votes," or, let's, or, or one country, one vote. Yeah, I'm uh, yes, but you've got but there needs to be there needs to be standards to allow that vote. I think. Um, the uh, but yeah, the, the Pacific Islands have been treated badly by everybody, um, to a certain degree. Um, and they have been treated they, they, they've been treated well by everyone to a certain degree. I think there is a misconception here that everybody that the, the, what the Pacific Islands want is the that eligibility stuff. If you listen to some of the players, um, they don't mind, they, they're happy for their, for, for, their, for their co players to go overseas and play for another country, and um, they see that as. Uh, them representing their culture and doing well. Mm. The one thing they would like to have is the opportunity to stay in the Pacific Islands um, and be able to play rugby and earn, earn a living. So hence, be that a super rugby team in Fiji mm. or be that they're not included in the three foreigner rule mm. um, in the New Zealand super rugby franchises. That's the one thing, that's one area that I think they could have, that, that, that a lot of um Mm. goodwill could have been bought in that space um uh, jim keys makes a good point that, that the under the last tv deal the mm. amount of money doubled now new zealand south africa and australia decided 
uh, and and Argentina to a lesser extent. So they weren't, I don't think they were necessarily involved at that point. But to basically, we need that cash for ourselves, rather than saying now is a good opportunity. That we've had a big pay rise to spend some of that cash in either building Japan or building the Pacific Island team. And I think that was a missed opportunity at that time. Absolutely. Can can I ask just a slightly left turn question? But it is related to this whole situation. Uh, some years ago, so this is probably the around oh nine or ten. So this is about ten years ago, maybe. I can't remember the exact dates. I'm sure uh, Paul can look it up if he goes on Google. But Steve, you can answer this here. Um, I, I was what, living in what, what we're talking about yet. <laughs> yes, I'm keeping you hanging on. Hang there. Hang there. S sit there, poised. Sit there, poised. Get the hands ready there. Uh, uh, Paul, that sounds terrible. Um, Stephen, uh, the Pacific Island team that was that played uh, two or three games, right, and, and hugely impressed me when they played. I saw them, their first match was against the All Blacks. Uh, albeit that Richie McCall was injured, I think he couldn't play in that. It was given a official test status. Um, it was a joint selection. For those of you who don't know, you're listening from the Northern Hemisphere. Um, it was a joint selection among all the island teams. It was given official test status. And uh, their first match against the All Blacks, I thought the only reason the All Blacks didn't lose that game was Marty Holler. I thought, but for Marty Holler, who was filling in for Richie McCaw, they would have lost that game. And Sione Luaki was absolutely magnificent. Wow. And wow. in short order, got selected into the All Black squad after that. Mm. Um, then they played, I think, the South Africans um, in Australia uh, a week later. And that was maybe a bridge too far. Obviously, many of these players hadn't experienced playing that level of test rugby against those nations one week apart. And they, they were beaten, not thumped, but they, were, they weren't close. Whereas the All Black Test match was, it was very so the close. Scores, that the, All Black so the, the, the scores in those games, New Zealand beat the Pacific Islanders 41-26, and South Africa beat the Pacific Islanders 38-24. Right, so the 41-26 is not an indicator of that game. Right. That was a late, there was a late try scored there, I think, as they were pushing. So it was... I think uh, 34 26. And the, uh, I think this, the Islanders were pushing. But there was a long stretch of that game where they had complete control of the All Blacks. And time after time, Marty Holler turned the ball over inside the All Black 22 and saved them. Right. So although the, the gap looks big, that was a much closer game than that score. And the 38 24 was a much more comfortable win. But be that as it may, I thought here is an experiment that really this can take off because the style of rugby they played and the depth of talent that they had. I just thought these guys have, have this is the first time they're playing together. This is a great thing that's happening here. What happened, Steve? Oh, listen, just to give you an idea, Sitaveni Sivivatu, Selala Mapasua, Tsiramani Bai, Lomi Fato, guys like that, Tsuani. A lot of those guys were actually playing in New Zealand. Uh, a, a lot of um, provincial, mm. provincial, provincial rugby at the time. I think maybe even um, I think on on Paul's show that he did with or interview the, the long chat with uh, Junior Polly and Gunga. I think um, that Barbarians team was mentioned, and I I thought to myself, what a what a wonderful opportunity right then 
for World Rugby at the time mm. to have basically sanctioned that team to play every year. And you know what? I'm convinced some of those guys would mm. have actually stayed with the Pacific Island mm. Barbarians. It's it's about it's about it seizing the day. Seizing it the wasn't day. called a Barbarians team. That's the thing. It wasn't given the Barbarians moniker. It was called the Pacific Islanders. Pacific Island, yeah, Pacific, beg your pardon, Pacific, Pacific Islanders. But why can't they basically do something like, you know, we always we see the British and Irish Lions touring every, what is it, four, eight, 12 years? Four years, years. Four, yeah. four years. Every, 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 every four years. Why couldn't we see that with the, the Pacific Islanders? That's, that's the opportunity. I, you know, I, I keep thinking, at the end of the day, with world rugby, we, we talk about the governance in the islands. Okay, it's all very well looking at their books. Put your own person in there. Put one of your yeah. own people in there. They're to run yeah. it for crying out loud if the locals can't do the job. No, I, I'm sorry. Um, World Rugby's had an opportunity and they've, and they've dropped the ball. And the All Blacks have seen a loophole. I mean, I say, Sione Loaki, oh, my God, what a beast. I, mean, I know that Richie McCoy has nightmares about Suwani, Suwani Loaki in one particular Crusaders, yeah. uh, uh, Crusaders Chiefs game. Um, yes. You know, because we'd love to see these guys playing playing for their own countries. But, you know, there's a loophole there. And every international team in world rugby at the moment has, has cottoned onto it. So the let's be uh, interesting that Nui and the Cook Islands also provided players mm. for the 2004 um, for games when they played. Um, so thank you for pointing that out, Christopher. Uh, just yeah, just we can chat that out. So in that 2004, they played the Queen, Queensland, New South Wales, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. They reformed two years later in 2006 and went and played Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. Reformed in 2008 mm -hmm. and played England, France, and Italy. Now, mm. uh, in 2009, Samoa said they were pulling out um, and, and, and said that they didn't want to take part anymore. But yeah, we did talk mm. about it during uh, that interview with Junior, and he mentions how much he, he liked it and liked, he, he loved the idea. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, and one of the reasons, for example, that it's taken a long time for uh, uh, GB to have a football team at the Olympics is because Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales... Uh, don't want to lose their own personal identity when a Team GB happens, and they were scared of losing. Of, of mm. so, you do wonder: Would the individual countries have lost their own identity for the World um, Cup? Uh, and, that, and that that was maybe the fear that they had. Can I can I just point out one thing here, uh, and that is, Steve, you're such a New Zealand rugby fan. Uh, uh, you're better than most, I must admit, because you went the Lions tour every twelve years. No, they tour New Zealand every 12 years, Steve. In the interim, they they tour Australia and South Africa. And I know that doesn't count to a New Zealand rugby fan, but they do tour every four years. <laughs> oh, no, we, uh, no I, I disagree with that. They only tour, 12, they only tour every 12 years. 12 years. There we go. There we go. It's, it's, but, it's, a, real, it's a real interesting, that Pacific Islanders concept, I, I think is a, is a, is a brilliant concept, but you know, like Brilliant. I say, I come back to some of the the journalistic work that that does. It's easy just to purely blame a country without basically going through all all these steps. There's so many layers to yes. this, and why why things like this are, are happening. Yes. I, I want to see the, you know, I want to see the Pacific Islanders, island teams. 
be successful. And if you look at mm. the likes of Samoa, you know, 1991, mm. like Canada, I think they were a, a World Cup quarterfinalist, if, mm. uh, if I need to be corrected. You know, That's and, right, and all were. of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're really, we're, really, we're really excited. You know, when you see something exciting mm. happening, whether it's, whether it's your own child growing up, you, you nurture that, don't you? Mm. You, you yes. nurture that and make sure that it comes through to the top. You don't, you, you don't basically push it back. If there's an opportunity to bring, some, bring somebody up, you know, do it. And, you know, once again, World Rugby, they just keep dropping the ball in a, in a, in a lot of areas. Yeah, we talk about they do this and, and, they, and they do that. But, you know, the big ticket items that count at the end of the day, but I'm sorry, but they fall asleep at the wheel. Steve, so you would think that most parents, when they see their children coming up, would continue to lift them up. But there are some parents who see their, themselves as being threatened by somebody new and strong and the young bull coming through the house, right? So you and I both have sons. You know that whole story about having, he can't walk past you without giving you a little bit of a shoulder, right, at a certain age. And just like, you know, I'm coming for you, Dad, right? But unfortunately, these islands provide talent, not just to New Zealand, not just to Australia, because count how many Fijian-born or Fijian-qualified players are now playing for Australia. They provide talent for the UK, for, uh, for England. They provide talent for Wales. They're across the board. They're providing talent. And so... This is not to the personal benefit of the strong nations. And unfortunately, we've seen over the years a series of decisions that have been taken that are not in the best interests of the game of rugby. Okay, they are in the best interests of individual unions or okay, individual yeah. competitions rather than the good of the game. Let's, let's, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Let's, before we do, as, but, but how much, there's, there's an element of, um, fear in those teams. We talked about yeah, the relegation from the Six Nations, for example. Um, we, with, with with sort of Scotland and Ireland have both mentioned that that they're scared of, that they're not not happy with that. Um, but I think there's also an element here of rugby is a sport that basically spends more, more money than it earns. That's on the, the problem, whole, right? Um, and so every time you talk about oh, let's expand this or do that or do this, yeah. Um, there's a playing side, but there's also a financial side that a lot of the people, a lot of the administrators are actually spending more time concentrating on than the playing side. And a lot of their voting is about that as well. Mm. And so they're going, so like, well, yes, we like the idea of you expanding. That's a great idea, but you've got to do it without taking any cash off me. In fact, I, actually, I need more cash. So give me more cash and do that as well. And mm. World Rugby then is like, well, I just, there, just, there isn't more cash to do that. Mm. There isn't enough cash to go around. Mm. Um, the and so there, there's, uh, I think there has been a bit of a wake up call, hopefully, over this last mm. two couple of months that mm. will, will that will be a driver for, for, for a bit of change around that sustainability side, around mm. the cost side. We'll have to wait and see. Um, we're not going to get on to looking at the New Zealand uh finances or talking about super rugby, that will be next week. What I was mm. going to do is to just wanted to very quickly have a look at Bill Beaumont's manifesto. Um, have you had a chance to read that, boys? No. No. Okay, fine. So he has he's broken it down into basically um, five points. So one is governance. 
one which is the point that Augustine Pichot brought up, and a, and a point you've been bringing up as well, Stephen, is that, that look, the yeah, dropping the ball, being asleep at the wheel, um, the government isn't fit for purpose. Paul, so just looking, quickly. At that, looking at the global season, but a lot of things he's saying in there are, we'll set a committee up to look at that, and I'm like, you've been there for four years, don't you know what the answer is already? Mm-hmm. You're not, you you, you don't get another four years. You're only now just mm-hmm. being this post to for two terms. And so Bill Beaumont cannot be voted in again. You'd, mm-hmm. you'd think he'd want to be arriving now with the ideas mm-hmm. to implement over these next four years, not spend the next mm-hmm. year and a half, two years, trying to figure out what those ideas are to implement mm-hmm. in two years' time. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, Paul, I'm just going to jump in. Just some other thing which I just completely forgot <clears throat> as well, and I refer back to the junior Pauline, Pauline Ganga. Uh, interview where he was playing towards the end of his career. I think he was playing for your club, Exeter, yep. and it, they wouldn't release him to play in the Rugby World Cup. Was that just the recent Rugby World Cup gone um, last year, no. or was that two thousand? Was that two thousand and fifteen? Might have been two thousand and eleven. Was was two thousand two thousand and eleven? See, that's a that's another issue as well. Although I suppose you can't blame. World Rugby for that because they're not paying the bills directly at the end of, end of the day. But on saying that, if they are an organisation worth their salt and they want to see the best players at their World Cup, they'd be do- they would be doing a little bit more. Whether it's some sort of comp- compensation, you know, I can't see why a cu- a club during a Rugby World Cup period can't get a loan player from somewhere just to. Just basically to cover them, and if the if the if the cost is covered by the by the rugby um, by by world rugby, wouldn't wouldn't that be a a good answer? Yeah, in, in that interview, he talks about that. Uh, look, he signed up, um, and he, he when he signed up, he made advice that he wasn't going to go through every World Cup. Um, and now the club planned around that, and then when he decided to go, they said, "Look, we, we're not we can't pay you while you're away because we have to pay use use that money to get someone into to backfill you." Was their was their excuse? Now, I think that is very wrong by Exeter Chiefs. Yes, they're my team, but I think it's wrong. But I can, but you can see their logic there. Is look, we've paid for you to play for us, but we're going to be down an experienced fly uh, a scrum half, so we're going to go get go get. um, I think it was Nick White. No, not Nick White. Um, um, Oh, it was an Australian guy. but the and then he ended up staying for the season, and Junior lost mm. his place in the squad. They ended up having one one extra um, scrum half than they mm. really needed, and he didn't get to mm. play much. Um, the and what that has unfortunately done, if you now look at the the uh, the, the extra squad is, and this is something I kind of thought about after I had that conversation with him. But he did that. Uh, um, we had Nadolo. Arrived on a um, on his Australian passport rather than his Fijian passport, and therefore was wasn't considered a Pacific Islander. So the club got duck, deducted points for f- fielding too many overseas players because um, Pacific Islanders don't count on that. Um, and he also got caught. In, we had a police issue as well while he was there. And if you look now, Exeter doesn't hire Pacific Island players. Um, they hire South African players, but they, they, they've they've not had a Pacific Island player for a number of years now. Um, and probably Junior and Naholo were probably the last um, think, um, that they had there. So it's changed their, rec- their entire recruitment policy. Mm. Um, the, 
but yeah, it's the uh, and, and Simon part of the regulation. Uh, yeah, you're right. Clubs um, uh, can um, yeah, it's regulation nine we're talking about here. Um, now the so it's basically X's answer to it now has been we don't hire Pacific Island players, yeah. which is. Right. Detrimental to the for, for, for obviously those those players wanting to go see some and earn cash, which is sad. But boys, we're not addressing the core issue here. There's the core issue we talked about. They should release them. Da, da, da. That's not the core issue. Can you imagine the soccer World Cup being played while England is is got its FA Premier League running or uh, La Liga or uh, the Spanish Premier League? Of course not. The problem is that the, there's not a correctly set up world season. So as a result, the World Cup is being played while major competitions, local competitions, are underway. That would never happen in uh, soccer because they want the best players. If you, if you have a world season properly set up, all of these problems disappear. That's the core. Issue. That that's one of the core issues, right? And that, that, that is under under the governance thing that um that Bill Beaumont said. But again, up for discussion, no actual plans or things to say what he thinks should, should be the answer. Global but season, so was Pichot. We looked at Pichot's uh, manifesto, right? And Pichot's no, was all airy fairy. Pichot was also all airy fairy instead yeah. of actually saying this is what we're going to do. So his idea, Beaumont has said, have a new competition structure to roll out post Rugby World Cup 2023. So, folks, don't expect any changes <laughs> un until 2024 at the earliest. I hope we're still alive. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> and um, Paul, Paul, remember our bet. You said to me, there's no way that there's going to be any uh, World Cup games from 2023, any French World Cup games played. In among the six nations teams that voted against the uh, the World Rugby's recommendation that the 23 World Cup go to South Africa, and instead voted for France. Remember, you owe me. If there are oh, games they, that are farmed but, but, out to Twickenham, but John, Ulster, uh, to Ireland, etc. John, Wales voted yeah. for South Africa. Okay, I'm not talking about Wales. I'm talking about the others. Okay, I understand. I'm talking but, about look, the others, the ones who did. But uh, look, I don't think we'll see. Uh, well, anyway, that's a by the by. Um, Remember, Steve. <laughs> um, and then part three is to review the world rugby's financial policy, um, and that's yeah. How do, how do they allocate funds globally? Um, so yeah, Christopher, I agree. World rugby has already approved all stadia, and they're all in France. So anyway, but we we let John just live in his fantasy world. Um, <laughs> He also has some things on player welfare. Oh, sorry, player welfare is four, and then women's rugby is number five. So, um, yeah, we'll see. But as 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 John says, there, it's all wishy washy. So was Augustine P. Shows personally, I wasn't excited by either candidate. To be honest, I agree with you. I agree with you. Steve, any final I, I mean, no, listen, it, it, it's all done, and I suppose the proof will be in the in the pudding now. If um, if uh, Beaumont is is true to his word, I mean, it seems like a a, a decent enough guy, but um, boy, you 
you're up against a lot of forces, aren't you, fellas? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that, that, that that's a big part of it, isn't it? Is is that they can promise whatever they like, but whatever they do, they've got to bring back to this forum, as mm. in this old school, new school thing, and mm. try and get it voted through again. And we saw that where it happened when they tried to put the Nations Cup in place, which mm. I know a lot of people in the Tier 2 Nations weren't happy with. Uh, a lot of people mm -hmm. in the Tier 1 Nations weren't happy with. So it was far from perfect. Um, but in both cases, yeah, the, 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 yeah the, do they have the power to get any real change through? I think you've hit a nail on the head there, Paul, is that there is too much focus on trying to get something perfect. You know, we live in a, you know, especially going through what the world is going through at the moment, uh, it needs to be an element of pragmatism while addressing these fundamental core issues. There needs to be both a realization that the core issue, for instance, of what we spoke a little while ago is not releasing players. The core issue is getting the calendar right. But when you get the calendar right, right, in inverted commas, is not going to satisfy everybody but we get a global calendar. So, so to, to avoid the core issues or uh, to avoid the core issues be because we don't delve deep enough or to not address them because we can't find a perfect solution that, effect that makes everybody happy, is neither of those are going to work. We need to address core issues and come up with something, right, without pursuing perfection. The, um, yep, exactly. Uh, yeah, good, good point there. We're not going to have perfection, so um, yeah, let's let's get something on the table. Um, I'm going to wrap this up, guys. Unless you can tell me that Paul, no, no, we must talk for another ten minutes. But I think we've run out of time. Um, to be honest, we have three That's topics good. to talk about, and a fourth topic just in case we in case, in case we we didn't have enough to talk about. We only got through the first topic, folks. Um, so <laughs> next week. Uh, unless something big comes up over, over over the next few days, we'll be talking about the New Zealand finances um, and the fact they spend something like ninety million a year on the head office. What um, we'll be talking about what Super Rugby could look mm. like going forwards, mm. um, and we'll probably look at also because we might even be down at level two this mm. time next week. Who knows? Um, mm. We'll look at the level two and level one guidelines for rugby mm. and what may or may not happen uh, mm. in New Zealand because we may get mm. if we get down to level two, we could have mm. Super Rugby in the near future who knows what a scary thought actual sport to watch could you cope with that Stephen? Oh, john would you yeah, hold out a heart attack with could, could, um, could do with some sport at the moment um the, the, the morning sports brief actually needs needs some sport at the minute <laughs> thank you very much boys don't forget everyone please do like subscribe um, uh, to the Facebook page of New Zealand Sport Radio. Uh, that is our primary place, um, even though we are also going out on YouTube and um, Twitter. And thank you, everyone who's been on, on the live chat on YouTube tonight. Uh, it's been very uh, it's been very lively there. Um, mm. Also, you can listen to the podcast, which uh, just search for New mm. Zealand Sport Radio on iTunes, Spotify, mm. or iHeartRadio, or your favourite podcatcher. Um, it would be great to have you listening to, to be to be in your ears whilst you're doing the housework or driving your car around town. Um, but don't crash, please. Do concentrate on the road. Um, loving your work, boys. Thank you very much for joining me. And um, catch you all next week on the Hash Rugby Chat. And 
at 8 a.m. every morning with the morning sports briefing. Thanks, Paul. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.